this morning? Hey, we're going to get into a Palm Sunday message in just a moment. A couple things. Uh, items we need to discuss today. We have uh, cards for everybody on your way out today, uh, an invite to uh, an Action Church Easter, and we're also starting this week, uh, we've done it the past few years, our, our Because You Matter uh, a campaign or initiative. And so what that means is uh, everybody today is going to get five cards, and we really believe uh, that if we come together and play our part as a team, as a body of Christ, but we're going to see thousands of people feel and see the tangible love of Jesus this week, and then hopefully uh, invite them to an Easter service uh, next week. And so uh, every single day, Monday through Friday, if you follow us on social media or you're in our database, you'll get an email uh, blast and there will be an initiative for each day, like paying for somebody behind you in line or tipping generously or serving your neighbor, all with the intention that you love them well and then tell them why, that God loves them and that we love them and that if they don't have plans this weekend, we'd, we'd love for them to join us at Action Church because they matter. They matter to God and they should matter to us. And so be a part of that this week. Get out of your comfort zone and just love somebody intentionally. We didn't make it hard. You, you don't gotta go walk somebody down the Roman road. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to even take your Bible. Just, just go and love somebody intentionally and let them know why, that Jesus loves them, that we love them. We'd love to see them next week at an Action Church Easter. We'd also like for you to let us know that you're coming uh, next week, and, and uh, especially here at, at Winter Park. Uh, I highly recommend Friday night, Saturday, uh, one of the two services, or the 8 a.m. or the 12.30. Uh, we would love to have you at 9.30 or 11, but you will be in traffic. Uh, you will wait for a parking spot, you will wait for a seat, and we're all gonna be really sweaty in here. And so we'd love to have you, uh, but it is, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be an experience. If you were here last year, it was about a 30 or 40 minute line uh, to get in uh, to the parking lot. And so we'd love to have you at a different service. If this is the only service you can attend, we'd love to have you right here. I'll be here, we'll be excited, and we'll sweat together in Jesus' name. Actually, we're getting the AC fixed finally right now, and so you're, you're fine. It's actually cooler this week, it'll be a lot cooler next week. So here's the thing. I didn't say this first service, I just feel led by the Lord. It's gonna be cold in here pretty soon, and I don't wanna hear any complaints. Because you complained for four years, we finally got some parts in, we're updating the building, and so if anybody says it's cold in here, bring a jacket, or a blanket, or run some sprints before. I don't wanna hear, hear any, no emails. But if you have them, send them to tyler.altoff at theactionchurch.com. He loves to hear from you. Palm Sunday at Action Church, you know, we love to, to take this week, uh, starting on Sunday, and Palm Sunday is when Jesus rode in, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, he was celebrated the week before he was crucified, which lets you know you can never really care about what the public thinks about you. Because the week before they were celebrating him, the next week they're crucifying him. That's why we live for an audience of one, an Evaluate Action Church. We live to please God, and that's it, because Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday was a week, and he was Hosanna in the highest, and then he was crucify him over Barabbas. And so that's why we live to please God and not to please culture or the crowd. The crowd is rarely right. Uh, and so we see Palm Sunday coming in. But I don't want to take today and talk about Sunday. I want to prepare us for Easter Sunday. Sunday. And at Action Church, we, we love Easter. It, it's the Super Bowl of Christianity. It's the biggest day of the year because it really is the, the picture of what we celebrate, of what we represent, that Jesus lived for you, died as you. And Easter Sunday, he was rose, resurrected to a new life. And it's what separates Christianity. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But in the context of world religions, we serve, we follow, we worship the only central figure that is not in a grave. 
And so we take all next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at all of our locations and we celebrate the resurrection. But what I wanna do every Palm Sunday so that we prepare for it, because Jesus says, unless you share in my sufferings, you cannot share in my glory. And what I found in life is you never, you never fully understand, you never fully experience the victory that is Sunday if you don't walk through the sacrifice and the suffering of the week. So what I wanna do today is I want to participate and worship God with communion at the end of our service, but I wanna talk about the last moments of, of Jesus' life. I wanna talk about his serving, his sacrifice, his surrender leading up to Friday and Sunday so that we can prepare our week to walk through this holy week and fully experience all that Jesus did for us. We're gonna be in John chapter 13 today talking about the Last Supper as they get ready for this Last Supper for the communion that we celebrate together. There's a lot going on here that we're gonna discuss today, but as I was studying this week, I thought we'd start off with a little bit of fun. Not a lot of fun, it's Palm Sunday, just a little bit of fun. And I wanna show you why Jesus, he never makes a mistake. Every detail is important. There's, there's, he came at the perfect time and the perfect place for humanity. For, first off, because of his sacrifice and the, the pain he had to walk through, he had to come in. But I, I really think this is, not, this is not Bible. This is just personal opinion. I think that Jesus came in that time because the Last Supper could not happen today. The 12 disciples would not have been engaged in the Last Supper. He would have been talking about the body and the blood and he would have been getting ready to wash their feet and they would have posted on TikTok. Come on, you've been out to dinner lately? You got a family, go to family dinner. You're not going to family dinner. You're going to dinner with your phone and sitting around a table. They couldn't do it. Be arguing about who was gonna tip. No, I got this one. No, you got this one. And you know what? If you only try and tip or if you only try and pay once, you didn't really wanna pay. You know what I mean? You, I know who you are. You're like, no, you sure you get, yeah, okay, okay. Like you don't even have your credit card. I got this. Oh, you got it. Okay, thank you. Wasn't even an argument. You didn't even finish the statement. <laughs> couldn't happen today. Probably wouldn't have happened. They probably wouldn't have had anything prepared. They probably just would have ordered some Uber Eats, which that's what I would have done. But here's the deal. I really feel like somebody would have screwed it up, probably Peter, because Peter wouldn't have pray, paid for priority and then they would have had multiple stops. And Jesus like, this is my last supper, bro. Like you couldn't do $2.99 for my last supper. The last supper could not happen today for no other reason than food allergies. But Jesus would have broke the bread and been like, can I, can I pass this around? Is everybody okay? Do we have gluten-free options? <laughs> Religious people couldn't have, been, couldn't have been at this Last Supper because Jesus passed around wine and certain denominations would have th th thought Jesus was sinning right there. Is it quiet because you're offended or it's not funny? <laughs> there was no refrigeration. It definitely was fermented, by the way, just historically speaking. And he passed around wine. And I think the bigger question today at the Last Supper, if they had a private room at a restaurant, would be, would they charge Jesus a corkage fee for turning water into wine? <laughs> Couldn't have happened. There's something important. There's something you need to understand as we talk about this Last Supper, as we talk about this table that was set. There's a covenant listed in Psalm 49 that in the Jewish culture, sitting around a table, sharing a meal together, was, it was a bond, was a, was a covenant friendship. So what was happening here is Jesus was not just giving final instructions. He was not just giving a, a picture of the, the cross uh, in his life, his death, his resurrection. He was sharing a moment with his friends. He was sharing a moment, a, a covenant relationship. 
And if you think about it, he was sharing a moment with people at the table, we'll talk about this later, that were not even fully for him. There were followers there that weren't actually still following him, that would go on to betray him. And we're gonna take communion later today, but I, but I wanna talk about what happens before the bread was broken and the wine was passed. I wanna talk about what Jesus did because there's a picture of the gospel here articulated in John chapter 13 in this same setting, at this same table, that it shows us on this Palm Sunday weekend, on this Thursday night before Good Friday that we're talking about here in John 13, it shows us a picture, a complete picture of who Jesus is, what he represented and what he did in his time on earth. Chapter 13, verse one, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and they had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table. Let's just pause there for a second. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So we're talking about somebody that has all authority and all power, all respect. He, he literally left his throne in heaven. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So he has all authority. He came from God. He's going back to God. And then I want to show you his last actions on earth. This is what he did from verse three to four. Verse three, we see how powerful he is, how majestic he is, where he came from and where he's going. And this is what he chose to do, verse four. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you're not gonna wash my feet. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Peter very rarely got it right. Like he was like, oh, you're not gonna do that. And then verse, the next verse, Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands, my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples, you are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what it meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God, he will bless you for doing them. We see an example here in verse four and five. Jesus in this moment was not thinking of himself. Even though he knows what's about to take place in this dramatic hour, he chooses to focus his thoughts on his disciples. Continue to teach humility, love, and compassion through service. Jesus shows us here what we should do when we're stressed or we're overwhelmed, when we are 
anxious about what's coming next. We know that, that Jesus is already feeling all of these feelings. We see it later that evening in the Garden of Gethsemane, which says, Father, please take this cup from me. We know that he was in anguish. We know that he was stressed. We know the, the heaviness. He, he sweated blood. He was so overwhelmed, and yet in his worst moments, leading up to his worst day, his focus was still on others. His focus was still on the mission that he had to accomplish. And spiritually, we're gonna unpack so much from this chapter in our time together this morning. But practically, if I can just help you, pain, suffering, depression, worry, it makes you selfish and it just makes it worse. If you will take your eyes off of self in the midst of the toughest moments and focus on serving and helping other people, I'm just here to tell you, it's not just a spiritual fix, it's a physical and emotional fix that Jesus modeled this. He modeled what it looks like to be a leader. He modeled what it looks like to be great in the kingdom of God. Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. He kind of came and just flipped everything on its head. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a different way to live. It's a different way to see our life and our calling. I wanna jump into verse four and five and then verse 12. And I wanna show you who Jesus is and, and what he has done for you and for me. Verse four, write this down. So he got up from the table. So he got up from the table. This symbolizes Jesus standing up and getting off of his throne in heaven, his throne of glory, leaving heaven and coming to earth. We could stop there and you should know, you should feel, you should experience how much God loves you. Church, sometimes we wanna leave our house for somebody. Jesus left heaven. Perfection. Glory. In which all he does is get worshiped every hour of every day. He left a throne for a manger. He left being served to come and serve. He saw a need and he acted. His response to a broken humanity, an unholy people that could never be reconciled to a holy God was to get up from the table, to get up from his throne in heaven and come and to serve. And that should be our same response, that when there is a need, there's an action that should come along with it. He didn't just say, I feel for them. He didn't just say, I feel sorry for them. He didn't just say, somebody should do something about it. He got up from the table. And following Jesus' example, thank you, Pastor Eddie. Everybody else wants to sit. <laughs> following Jesus' example, we need to get up and help people with the goal of helping them meet Jesus. He got up from the table. If Jesus left his throne to serve others, we have to look around and say, what should we be doing? Why are we sitting when we should be standing and moving towards the need? So he got up from the table. Number two, he took off his robe. He took off his robe. 
Philippians 2, verse seven, laying aside his garments or giving up his divine privileges. He took off his robe. He laid aside his own deity to humble himself and take the human form, to live among us, to die for us and be raised to a new life to give us victory. Took off his robe. Not only did he leave the throne, not only did he leave the seat, he left the authority, he left the place and he said, I'm taking off the robe and I'm taking the nature of a servant. You gotta catch this today, church. Jesus took off his robe so that you could put it on. He took off his robe because you needed it. What do I mean by that? The exchange that happened on the cross was that he took our unrighteousness, he took our sin, he took my mistakes, he took your past, and he gave us his righteousness that God no longer sees us as he saw us before, but he sees us as he saw, and now he sees his son Jesus. He took off the robe, he took off his divine privileges so that we could wear that righteousness, that what we could never do on our own, we receive through Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 15. We see this as the prodigal son returns home and the father takes off the ring and takes off the robe and takes off the sandals and puts the robe on him and says, my son has come home, showing us that we no longer are clothed in our past. If we accept Jesus, we are clothed with this robe. Jesus took off the robe so that you could wear it. We could have been called slaves, but he calls us sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ. And because he got up from the table and he took off the robe, he gave us a seat at the table. And we don't sit there as a servant, we sit there as a son or daughter because he took off the robe. He took off the robe. He got it from the table and he took off the robe. He laid aside his own deity so that we could step into the glory that he has prepared for us. Not that you earned, not that you deserve. Please do not hear that we are wearing something that we deserve. You could not earn this. He had to take it off so that you could put it on. So he got it from the table. He took off his robe. Write this down. He wrapped a towel around his waist. Gosh, this one's powerful. He wrapped a towel around his waist. The head of the household doesn't take off the rope. The person in charge does not take off the thing that symbolizes their power or their place. That's a miracle in of itself that he would get up from the table and that he would take off his rope. But there's no way that a powerful person, there's no way that a man of importance would put on a towel. In this culture, Putting on a towel would have been the position of a slave, the position of a servant. The person that was at the center of the table that everybody had gathered around, that everybody had followed, that thousands had been following, that he was just Palm Sunday, we're on Thursday. He has not been betrayed yet. He has just, he has just ridden in on a donkey, Hosanna in the highest. The Messiah is here. The man that is the most important figure in this region at this time took off his robe and put on a towel. Gosh, if that doesn't tell you you're not that important. He took the humble position of a servant. And this is the heart of the gospel, to serve. Mark 10, verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He wrapped a towel around his waist to serve people that he knew were gonna betray him. Do we miss who was at the table? 
Judas was so close that we see another gospel that Jesus was able to hand him the elements of the Last Supper, the elements of communion. He wasn't outcast to the end. He was right there beside. Peter's there. Gonna deny him three times. Thomas is there. Gonna doubt that he's actually the resurrected Savior. Yep. What it shows us, church, and you gotta get this if you don't get anything else today that our service, our surrender, our sacrifice is not dictated on other people's responses. That Jesus put on a towel for all 12. He didn't say, hey, you three, you're probably not gonna earn this, so why don't you? Because the act of compassion, humility, love, and service was something that he was called to do not something he did for accolades, response, respect, or for anything in return. And in fact, true love and compassion is not serving, serving expecting something. It is serving with no expectations in return. He's living out Romans 5. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. If we're not careful, we'll make our service, our putting on the towel about something else other than just choosing to follow the example of Jesus. If the cross is a sign of submission, the towel is a sign of service. If the glory of God is often revealed in the humble, mundane, lowly places. Service banishes us to the mundane, ordinary. The life of a believer is a life of a servant. Humility was the example that Jesus set. I wanna unpack this thought just for a moment because I really think if we're not careful, this is a trap that we could fall into in, in a church uh, that does as much for the community as any church I've ever heard of. That's us. We could get wrapped up in the service and not the becoming of a servant. We could get wrapped up in the actions and not the posture of surrender to the call. Let me say it this way. The difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant are vastly different. When we choose to serve, you gotta catch this today. When we choose to serve, we're still in charge. But when we choose to be a servant, we give up that right to be in charge. When we say, well, I'm gonna do this, because this makes me feel good. I'm gonna do this because this person deserves it. I'm gonna give to this because I see a return. We're still in charge. I dictate when, where, how much, the consistency. But when we choose to be like Jesus and, and put on the towel, we choose to be a servant, we surrender the right to decide who, when, where, and how we will serve, and we become available and vulnerable to the call that God has for us. When we choose to serve, we're still in charge, and that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. It's a choice to say, I surrender to being a servant of the Most High God, and that will lead me to places just like it led Jesus, serving people that will doubt, serving people that will deny, serving people that will betray. The same crowd that listened to him 
that saw him heal was the same crowd that crucified him. His service, his life, his death, his resurrection was not dictated on our response. It was dictated on his surrender to fulfill what God the Father had called him to fulfill. And if you want a life that looks like Jesus, if you want a life of fulfillment, it's not in you choosing when, how, or where. It's you choosing, I'm gonna follow no matter what. I'm gonna choose to be a servant. If we're not careful, we'll make serving the purpose when Jesus is the purpose. And if we're not careful with our good intentions, we'll make, we'll elevate serving to a pedestal. I read it this week, too many people in our society are chasing thrones and not chasing towels. You got Instagram, you got TikTok, you gotta be famous, I wanna be an influencer. And those are obvious, but some of us have made the throne of serving the idol because it makes us feel good or we get to see the benefit. And I'm just here to tell you today that that's not the goal. The goal is a heart of servanthood, which says whenever, however, whoever, if God is calling, I'm following. Well, pastor, they're not gonna listen. He handed Judas the elements with his own hand. And he washed his feet knowing that he would betray him, which means our posture of servanthood cannot be dictated on other people's opinions, actions, or response. Grab the towel around his waist. Here's the next one. He poured water into a basin. He poured water into a basin. I gotta go quickly. I got really excited on that one. I went like 10 minutes too long. And so hopefully you got it. I'll go quickly. Poured water into a basin. The water represented the cleansing of the body. In just a few hours, Jesus would pour out his blood unto death. This water in the basin symbolizes the blood of Jesus being shed for you and for me. That until Jesus' death, until his blood was shed, that there was mandated that there would be a blood sacrifice, an atonement of sins. And the people of God would be atoned for their sins by the blood sacrifice of an animal. Well, Jesus is the perfect spotless lamb. And so once Jesus comes on the scene, there's no longer a need for animal sacrifice. There's no longer a need to make it right with God because Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. The blood would be the cleansing of every form of human defilement, sin, and shame. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Here's the next one. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel, he had around him that his blood would atone for their sins, giving them access to the Father. Hebrews 1, verse 3, he made purification for our sins. As he was washing and purifying their feet, it symbolizes what he was doing, that his death on the cross, it washed away all of our sin and all of our mistakes. That it made us right with God, that now an unholy people could be reconciled to a holy God because of Jesus' body being broken and his blood being shed. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down. After his life and after his death, after his mission was fulfilled, that he got up from heaven, he came to earth. He took off his robe so that you could put it on. He put a towel around his waist to serve. He put a towel and he washed their feet. He died for you and for me. And when he was done, he did not stay there. He got up. Yeah. 
He got up. Next week, we're going to celebrate. He got up. He put his robe back on, and he's seated on the throne next to the Father, interceding for believers, waiting for the time that he comes back. He finished his mission, and now he's back in his proper spot, which shows us when he entered humanity, he did what he could never do, and now he's back in charge. What that gives us is access to a God, access to a relationship, to somebody that understands what you're walking through, because he came and did everything. He took off the divine privileges, not only to save you, but to understand you. And now he's back to say, now I'm back in charge. We can speak the name of Jesus because he's not just with a towel. He's not just in a grave. He's got his robe on, on a throne. He is all powerful. And this is the literal picture of the gospel that Jesus did for you through his life, death, and resurrection, what you could never do for yourself. And his body being broken, was so that you don't have to be. The breaking of Jesus led to the breakthrough of all people. And he shows us here in John chapter 13. But church, we have a choice. We celebrate this week, Holy Week. We celebrate that Jesus has already done all he's gonna do when it comes to our salvation. There, there is no next phase. He's coming back to conquer and to reign, but as far as what we have access to, his job is finished the cross. It is finished. He, he did it. He paved the way. He built the bridge so that you and I can have a relationship with God. But we have a choice. And I don't have time to unpack it very long, but there's two people who got their feet washed. There's two people that took the wine, the cup, and the bread. There's two people that lived a very similar life, just made two very different decisions in the midst of their own personal tragedy. And that's Judas and Peter. They were both followers of Jesus. They both saw the miracles. They both saw the healings. They both shared in the cup and the bread. They both denied him publicly. Gosh, it, it, we're always really hard on Judas. And, and this is a, a personal opinion as, as I study scripture and as I look at trying to put myself in it. At least Judas got paid for the denial. Peter did it for free, three times. Their actions weren't very different is what I'm trying to say. Now, we, we, honestly, we obviously know where, where it ends. Judas ends by hanging himself and Peter ends by being the person that Jesus says, this, on this rock, I will build my church. What that shows is, is their actions did not qualify them for their future. They did the same thing. They just had a different response. They had a different they had a different picture of who Jesus is. And when we mess up, we're gonna feel guilt and shame. But if you have the proper perspective of the person of Jesus, it changes when you, when you have this, the correct view of Jesus, it changes how you view yourself. Because when I'm broken in my mistakes, I'm overwhelmed and I don't see a way out. But when I see Jesus and the person of Jesus and the proper perspective of Jesus, I, I don't have to see what I've done. I get to see what he did and it changes things. And here's, <laughs> Judas in no record throughout his whole three years of following Jesus ever called him anything but rabbi or teacher. Never Messiah, never Savior, never Lord. 
It was his view of Jesus, his perspective of the person of Jesus that dictated his outcome. It wasn't his actions. It was his posture and his perspective. The only difference in Peter and Judas is one of them allowed the power and the presence of God to convict, to change, to restore. And I believe it's how they viewed him. One teacher and rabbi was what I can get from you. One was, who are you? Not only what can you do for me, but what can I do for, there was a relationship. And I wanna give you an opportunity today before we take communion to have a real relationship with Jesus. There's nobody that's qualified themselves more to be in relationship with you than Jesus. And I really believe you are one heartfelt decision to surrender your life to his leading from everything changing. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes at all of our locations here at Winter Park and Sanford Oviedo. We've talked about it today. I don't need to rehash it. Jesus lived for you, died as you raised the new life to give you victory. If you wanna receive that relationship today for the first time, or maybe today for the first time in a long time, it's a recommitment. God brought you here today to let you know that you're not in charge, that you can't fix it, but he can. If you wanna give him access to that today, Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we can and will be saved, that all who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. What if you call on his name today? Nobody looking around just a moment between you and God. That's you, say, Pastor, I want you to count me in. I, I need, I want a relationship with Jesus today or I wanna recommit my life and surrender and allow him to lead. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus or I wanna recommit my life today. Yes, 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 yes. A couple more, yeah. Seven more on this side. Stadium, see you. Come on, Sanford Novito. Somebody watching online right now. Just a few more moments. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, would you pray this in your heart? As I prayed out loud, say this, say, God, I love you. God, I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I thank you for your body broken for me. I thank you for your blood shed for me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm saved only by your grace. And today I do confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord. God, have your way in my life. Thank you for saving me. Lord, it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen. And amen. Church, can we celebrate the decisions that were just made? So proud of you.